0: Welcome, Pastor Jason has been in a series for the last couple of weeks called, oh, come on, <laughs> you, got, you got to say it like he says it. Ready, one, two, three. All right, somebody got it over there. If you're in the family gathering, hello, I know you yelled it out. Uh, Really well, if you're watching at home or you're having a watch party or if you're up in Jasper, welcome to the wrestle. It's the story of Jacob out of chapter 32 of Genesis. Uh, Jacob's wrestle with God and wrestle with himself. But today we're not going to spend any time in the story of Jacob, but we're going to continue talking about wrestling. Today we're going to talk about something you may have wrestled with over the last five months. And if not over the last five months, certainly at some point in your life. And that is the wrestle with our identity. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But before we get there, there's going to be a lot of context. And we want to pray. So let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you for the um, awesome opportunity to gather with you, whether it's online or in person. To hear from you today, will you illuminate in your word exactly what you want each of us to take away? We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to talk to some cousins that I have not spoken to in 30 or 40 years. And in the middle of the conversation, I realized they don't know me now. They knew me back then. They knew the old David. And after a while, one of them said, so so what are you doing now? And remember, these are my Jewish relatives. They may or may not believe there is a God. I didn't. I was a Jewish atheist. And I said, well, I'm a pastor. Long pause. <laughs> and one of them, in a very genuine way, said, that's Wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad you found yourself. You're just a better version of the old David. And of course, I'm thinking, nope. <laughs> I am a brand new David. Pastor Jason talked about this last week when referring to Jacob as foreshadowing Jesus that God is doing a new thing. He, he talked about 2 Corinthians Chapter five, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, great. Yeah, the, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we're, we're not a better version of our old self, we're made brand new. Amen. 14 years ago, this month, Jesus made me brand new. And my first Sunday in church, I remember asking a guy next to me, what do I do now? I just got saved. And he said, well, you've got to find your identity in Christ. I said, great. I don't know what that means. Because that's one of those Christian phrases that gets thrown out. Just find your identity in Christ. I didn't know what it means. So I looked it up. Turns out it's a very simplistic answer. Stop seeing how the world sees us, how the world labels us with our occupation, our relational, our relational status, uh, our, our addictions, our wounds, uh, what we drive, where we work, uh, and find our identity in who God says we are. That's the simplistic answer to finding our identity in Christ. But there's a purpose to that. And the purpose is, John Piper said it so well, it's gonna be up on your screen. The purpose is God made us who we are so we can make it known who he is. God made us who we are, tells us who we are so we can make it known who he is. So if we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us, if we're only seeing ourselves as the world sees us, how could we possibly make it known to the world who he is? Therein lies the wrestle. So we're going to talk about this today. Remember back in Romans chapter 8, we talked a little bit about our identity, that we are children of God. God adopts us into his family. We become sons and daughters. And when we are sons and daughters, Romans 8, 17 says, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We get the same rights and privileges as Jesus. So when we hear that, do we identify with that? When we walk out of here, do we walk out with that identity that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ? Maybe, maybe not. 2020 has done a number on our identity. How about it? Maybe 2020, you lost your job and you're not just struggling through financial crises, but Struggling with, who am I now that I don't have that job? Maybe, maybe 2020, you lost your health, and you're not just struggling uh, physically with that, but struggling with, who am I now that I don't have my health, or now that the world is identifying me uh, with a particular illness? Maybe, maybe 2020, you, you lost your marriage, and, and you're not just dealing with the pain and the hurt, but... Who am I now that I'm not a a husband or a wife? Those are real and really hard. I've experienced job loss where I realized afterwards, wow, that job was my identity. I've been divorced where I was wondering, okay, who am I now that I'm not a husband? And, And maybe 2020 has wrecked your identity because of what you were focusing on. Maybe too much on the division in our country and, and too much on the conflict. Or, or maybe, maybe you found your identity in a wound or an addiction or, or something that somebody called you when you were in sixth grade. Those are also real and really hard. But today, today I want to introduce you to Jesus. And who he says you are. And the names that he says you are. Because he's the one in, in Matthew 11 who said, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. He says, my yoke Walk with me, couple with me, keep company with me. Let me put my arm around you because when you're in me and I'm in you, guess who God sees you as, me. He sees you as my righteousness. He says, my yoke is easy. I'm not gonna put a heavy load on you, he says. My burden is light. That's the Jesus I want you to hear today. That's the Jesus I want you to identify who you are with. Let's get into 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, was another letter of the New Testament, and the letters of the New Testament were handwritten and delivered to churches. And they were delivered to a church in, in multiple cities, one church in multiple cities. And if, if 2020 has shown us anything, we're not just... One church in two locations were one church in hundreds of locations. And, and you may be watching from one of those locations right now at a watch party or, or just online at home. And there would be a buzz when one of these letters would be sent to the church, especially if it was like First Peter, which was a letter of encouragement. And how do we know it was a letter of encouragement? He ends the letter with, how did I write this? To encourage you. So, so there would be a buzz. People would gather. So imagine if, if next week, Pastor Jason came up here and said, you're not gonna believe who I got a letter from. <laughs> the Apostle Peter. I know. The, the guy mentioned in the New Testament more times than anybody with the exception of Jesus, he wrote us a letter and he wants me to read it to you. You would you would probably be attentive to that. You would probably drop everything to hear what Peter had to say. Well, that's, that's how I want you to hear these verses today in that encouragement that Peter intended to put courage into you. First Peter starts out with... Um, the imagery of God building a house out of us. Peter throws that down before he gets to these verses of encouragement. He talks about us being the living stones of that house stacked on top of each other. And, and there's a foundation to that spiritual house. And what is the foundation? Who is the foundation? Jesus. And, and what, is, what does Peter call that foundation? What does Peter call Jesus? The cornerstone excellent You guys are awesome the cornerstone and peter says hey some of y'all are going to get that jesus is the cornerstone some of you are going to understand that he is the foundational strength of not just a building but your building and some of y'all are going to stumble over the fact that jesus is the cornerstone some of you are going to trip over the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone and you're going to miss that. Jesus even calls out the religious leaders in in Matthew 21. He says, guys, having even read this, having even read the scriptures, the Messiah, the Messiah you've been waiting for, the cornerstone, turns out it's me. And you've you've got two choices. Reject me, stumble over me, trip over me and get judgment or accept me, love me, trust in me, walk with me and get mercy and forgiveness. See, the gospel is either an obstacle away from a relationship with God where the gospel is the way back to a relationship with God. And that's how Peter sets this up, and it sets it up so well. So verses 9 and 10, we'll take a look at verse 9. It starts out with a word that Pastor Jason absolutely loves, B-U-T, the coordinating conjunction, but, and Peter is basically saying, this but's for you, okay? This is... (laughs) Stop it. <laughs> this is who you are. This is how God sees you. This is your identity in Christ. Verse nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who God says you are. Not how the world sees you, but that's how God sees you. So let's take a look at some of these words. Chosen race. Some translations say chosen generation. But that word chosen is a Greek word "ekletos," Picked out, handpicked by God, he chose you, not because of anything we did, but because of what Jesus did. So if you think about that, once was only for the people of Israel, is now available to all of us, Jew and Gentile alike. We are God's own. And that should, that should put aside all thoughts of our identity being in something else because we are now God's people. He chose us not to make us prideful because we had nothing to do with it. He chose us because he chose us. And he chose us based on his love for us. We didn't do anything to get to God. God did everything to get to us. And because of that, we don't have to do anything to make him love us more. He loves us because he loves us. Therefore, we get to change the things we do because he loves us. And that was the whole point of Romans 12 through 16. 1 through 11 was, hey, this is what God did for you. 12 through 16 was, now let's live in light of what he did for us. Royal priesthood. So he's called us chosen. Now he calls us a royal priesthood. So let's look at priesthood for a second. The Old Testament, there were only a handful of priests. They were the only ones that had access to God. Even the kings didn't have access to God. And if you wanted access to God, you had to bring an animal to the priest. The priest had to sacrifice the animal on your behalf for you to get to God. But in Christ, through Jesus's sacrifice, we get to come to God anytime we want. All of us. We're all priests. We have access to and can talk to the creator of the universe anytime we want. Do you take advantage of that? 24-7, 365, we could stop right now. Let's do it. Let's let's just give God thanks. Lord, thank you so much for this time today. I pray, Lord, that you would help me get through the rest of this message. Amen. (laughs) It's that easy all through your day, not just in the morning on your knees, but through the day in the car, in the line at the drive-thru, picking up your kids. We have access 24-7. He also calls us royal. So let's spend a little time there. If you know anything about the royal family, if you've watched a documentary on the royal family, you know that when somebody is born into the royal family or marries into the royal family, there is a prolonged season of learning and mentorship. Why? So that that person becomes more like the king. So that person can bear the likeness of the king. Why? So when that person walks into a room, everybody sees in them the king. God adopts us into his royal family. He calls us sons and daughters. And when we're adopted into his family and we are his heirs, there's a prolonged season of learning and mentorship. It's called sanctification, which is a big word just to say, becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like the king, to bear the likeness of the king. Why? So that when we walk into a room, people see in us the king. That was worthy of an amen. Thank you. calls us a holy nation a special people group set apart set apart called out a people for his own possession we are his people we belong to him why so that we may proclaim which is one of my favorite words proclaim the excellencies of the king and another word for proclaim is advertise loudly, not, not timidly, not so where your neighbors don't know that you're proclaiming the excellencies of the king, not so people wonder, I didn't know he was a Christian, but to advertise loudly, to be a big flashing billboard that he is so amazing, he's the king, he called us out of our darkness, he called us out of our sin, he called us out of our mess, he called us out of our emptiness and into his marvelous light. That's the purpose. (laughs) And then Peter says, this is verse 10, Once you were not a people, just in case you wanted to know. (laughs) Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he's referencing Hosea here, story in the Old Testament. Hosea's wife kept messing up over and over and over again. Hosea kept forgiving her over and over and over again saving her from a life of slavery. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> that's us. That's us. We, once we were not a people. We didn't deserve mercy. <laughs> we didn't belong to God. I didn't belong to God. I, I belonged to my own desires. But now through Jesus, we belong to God. And that's why we can't Put our hope and our identity in something else because we belong to someone else. Living like we lived, we shouldn't have gotten mercy. We deserve the death penalty. That's what Scripture says. Scripture says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, meaning we're all messing up all the time. Then Scripture says there's a penalty. And it's death, eternal separation from God. But because God loves us so much, Jesus paid that penalty. He made payment for that penalty. And we go from death to life, belonging to God. I, I, I wish there were more time today to get into the next verse because there's another word that that Peter uses as a great identifier of who we are and it's sojourner, a traveler. We're just passing through. We've got dual citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we're living on foreign soil and we've got a purpose here on that foreign soil. So how is that for an identity change? All of those things. We go from everything that the world says we are to everything That God says we are. You want to know what the payoff is? Because there's a payoff to carrying the correct ID. Go into the airport. What's your payoff for carrying a driver's license or a passport? You get to go through security. Well, when we carry the identity of Christ, he is our security. And nobody can take that away from us. Nobody can take away from the fact that we are God's children, that I am a child of God. And the key to this castle of being a child of God is that identity has to permeate all of our life, not just part of our lives. Over the last two weeks, the word would be, we can't be duplicitous. We can't be duplicitous a child of God on Sunday, and then someone completely different tomorrow. Somebody completely different at school, completely different at work, completely different in our neighborhood, completely different on social media. Because when we carry that identity, wherever we go, 2 Corinthians calls it the aroma of Christ. And, and, and when you think about the, the senses, the sight, hearing, Taste, smell. What, what's the great identifier of things that are not pleasant and things that are pleasant? The sense of smell. I, I would eat cilantro, but I don't like the taste or the smell. I choose not to taste and smell cilantro. And you're with me too. It's evil, it's from the devil. I, I used to live near a mushroom plant in Pennsylvania. Sometimes it was downwind. That was, that was not a pleasant smell. But on the flip side, do you know anybody that wears a, a great smelling cologne or uh, a perfume that's really nice? And, and you may like them anyway, and you may enjoy hanging out with them anyway, but just because they smell like that, doesn't it make it just a little better? Yeah. Yeah. Because perfume companies figured this out. They spent millions of dollars on research to do what? To crush the petal of a flower so that we could carry a fragrant aroma. God paid everything to crush his son so that we could carry the aroma of Christ you ever walk into a room and after a while, somebody says, I knew there was something different about you. I knew you were a believer. Not because we have some weird Christian code language. Not because you said blessed and highly favored and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's because you carried yourself differently. You walked differently. You spoke differently. You post differently. You react to things differently. See, I, I don't... I don't think for a second that that is not attractive. I think that's beautiful. And that's the difference when a believer walks into a room. It's attractive because the believer is bringing, or blinging, either one, I've heard it both ways, bringing light in. And whose light is that? It's Jesus's light. And it doesn't matter how dark the room It doesn't matter what's going on in your place of work. When you walk in with Christ as your identity, you're walking in there carrying the light of Jesus and light always wins. Every single time, light wins. And I believe that over the last 13 years of carrying the aroma of Christ into my dad's life had an impact on his life. I... I don't believe for a second that my dad's heart softened to the gospel, that he became receptive to the gospel because I'm some great debater. Because I'm not. I believe my dad became receptive to the gospel because he couldn't deny what Christ had done in my life. And that's what happens when our identity isn't in what we do. God makes us new, and he gets to name us. I mean, he made us, he gets to name us. On earth, you you make something, you you get to name it. Sometimes you put your own name on it, and that's okay. Da Vinci painted a a picture of a woman, called it, named it the Mona Lisa. Grant Wood painted a picture of a farmer standing next to his wife, holding a pitchfork, named it. Okay, Um, nobody's watching Jeopardy in this house. (laughs) American gothics you got it in the family gathering. I know you did. You got it in Jasper. Um, We're not gonna go for a bonus round. The point being, the creator gets to name the creation. And don't you think that God can give you a better name than what the world gives you? He calls us chosen, royal, his own possession. And he also calls us beloved. That's amazing. Who else does he call beloved? The answer is always Jesus. You could just yell it out. (laughs) Jesus. When Jesus came out of the water after being baptized in the Jordan River, he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am pleased. That's what he calls you. That's amazing. And that means when we are facing trials, we're his children. When tragedy strikes, we're his children. When there's job loss, we're his children. When our health fails, we're his children. And nobody can take that away from us, ever. Circumstances cannot change your status with God When we sing that song, who you say I am, that's our identity. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, Lord, not what the world says I am, not who they say I am, not what they called me. We're beloved, we're chosen, royal, God's own possession. Don't put a label on me. Don't put me in a category. The only category we're in is co-heirs with the savior of the world. Amen now, now that we're his, guess what? He says, go across the street and make me known. Go down the hall and make me known. Go online and make me known. And don't you think it's a little easier when your identity is in him to make him known? It's a little easier to walk across the street knowing that. the beauty is he didn't just make us better he he made us new and he didn't tweak the old david like my cousin thought he made a brand new david and if you're in christ he made a brand new you and that means our hope isn't in a job that we do our hope is in the one who did his job Our, our hope isn't in a relationship that walked out the door. Our hope is in a person who walked out the grave. Our hope isn't in who we vote for. Our hope is in the person we surrender to. Aren't you tired of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all just tired. I think we're tired of the conflict. I think we're tired of the anger. I think we're tired of CNN. I think we're tired of Fox News. I think we're tired of arguing about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. I think we're tired of give me two more weeks to flatten the curve. Cause we're in like week 30 of that. I think we're tired of the conspiracy theories. I think we're tired of the conspirators. We're tired of arguing with each other. We're tired of not going to Braves games with each other. We're just flat out tired. And we need the hope that can only come in Jesus Christ and who he says we are. The last time that I preached, a little over a month ago, I was up here pleading for my dad's soul. 88 years, he has had many different identities. He was the small town dentist in Trapp, Pennsylvania. Then he was identified as the retired dentist who played golf three days a week. He was also known as the guy who had Crohn's disease for 46 years. Now for the last 13 years since Jesus gave me a new identity, I have been sharing the gospel with my dad. And I see some of you in this room who have been praying for my dad faithfully. Thank you, Bailey. A few weeks ago, I got to sit down with him and I just started reading the Bible to him from the Old Testament. I read Isaiah 53 and I kept pointing out all the areas that pointed to Jesus. He was like, wow. And I went into the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and I said, dad, that was Jesus and that was Jesus. And he was amazed by that. We have friends that have been praying for him for years that he would meet Jesus in a dream. Three weeks ago, he told me he had a dream and he wanted to share it with me. I said, dad, what was it? He said, I had a dream and there was a guy at the end of the bed wearing a purple robe. I said, dad, that was Jesus. That was the Messiah. And then two weeks ago, when he was too weak to get out of bed, he still tried. And my mom said, Harvey, where are you going? He said, I have to get to the wedding. I said, Dad, that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is calling you to the wedding feast. And 17 days ago, August 17th, he couldn't talk anymore. Mom put the phone up to his ear and I was just telling him stories. We talked every day for the last few years. And I said, dad, two weeks ago, I was at the foot of your bed pleading with God to save you. And I've asked you this question so many times. You've always said you weren't ready. And I whispered to him, it's okay to say yes to Jesus. My mom said, he smiled for the first time in two days and made a gesture with his hand. He died just a couple hours later. I believe we have a merciful God and that he had mercy on my dad in his last moments. And my dad's last breath was taken here on earth and his next breath was with Jesus. I believe God gave him a new identity at the age of 88 88-year-old child of God, 88-year-old royal priesthood, 88-year-old chosen generation, 88-year-old beloved. But maybe he hasn't given you that identification yet. Because to be a child of God, you have to trust in who he is and who he says you are. To have an identity in Christ, before you get that ID card, you have to be a child of God. So did you know that Jesus came to pay the penalty for your sin? That he forgives you. And what you have to do is say yes to Jesus like my dad did and trust in him. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. As we pray, I'm going to give you a chance to say a prayer out loud to yourself. I want you to hear it as if it is ringing across the room, but say it to yourself. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, you are so merciful. We can rejoice that you never gave up on me or my dad and for those listening or watching right now or sitting in this room that have not had an identity change that cannot say they are a child of God I am pleading with you pleading with you to change their identity if that's you and you're ready to say yes You can just repeat this to yourself, but hear it. Father, I am tired. I'm tired of listening to what the world says I am. I wanna only hear who you say I am. I trust that Jesus came to die for my sins. I trust that he paid the penalty for my sin that I deserved. And I trust that you raised him from the dead, declaring victory over death. Will you save me? Will you give me a new identity in Jesus name? If that was you, God, just changed your identity. We want to know about it with all of your eyes closed. If that was you, please raise your hand. Raise your hand in the family environment. Raise your hand at home. Let us know about it. You're going to get an opportunity to to let us know through our online platform. But for those who have already had their identity change, two things. Number one, carry that ID wherever you go. Carry the aroma of Christ into every room, every house, every office, every restaurant, every drive-through, any place where there is darkness. Don't bring that, don't bring more of that in. Bring the light of Christ in. So people look at you and say, I want some of that. I don't know what it is, but I want some of that. The second thing, If you have been praying for someone, maybe a son, maybe a daughter, maybe a father, maybe a mother, maybe a brother, like I am praying for my brother. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to get tired of praying for them every day, every night, and you wanna go, Lord, I know you can change his heart I know you can give him a brand new identity right now but here is my plea don't give up do not grow weary keep loving keep bringing the light of Jesus into their lives keep loving them unconditionally Because our our God is willing and able to give them a brand new identity. Just like he gave you. Just like he gave me. Just like he gave my dad. Father, we love you. We're (laughs) enthralled by you, astonished by you, and amazed by you. We love you in Jesus' name.